the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When Emily and I went to the Holy Land ten years ago, we went to the high priest's house where Jesus was interviewed and tortured. And at that house, they have dug down to the steps, um, which they've dated to the first century, the steps from where prisoners were kept up to the courtyard. And those would have been the steps that Jesus walked between those two, those two places. And there are parts of the Holy Land that feel like Disney World, kind of the opposite of spiritual but then right there in the middle of the Disney World nature of the Holy Land, you see a sight like that, and it takes your breath away. The idea that the Lord walked these steps right here in this place, in this town, at this house, it still is a powerful visual for me. This morning I want to look at Psalm 132, which is a reminder that as Christ walked those steps, we have been here before. Psalm 132 is a reminder that we have been here before. You might remember a few years ago, our book of the year was A Long Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson, which is a great book. If you hadn't read it, I really recommend it. It's a commentary on the Pilgrim Psalms. And the Pilgrim Psalms, of which Psalm 132 is one, were from a collection of songs that people sang as they journeyed to Jerusalem to make pilgrimage. A big part of Judaism in Jesus' time and before Jesus' time was people from all over the Jewish world traveling to Jerusalem to worship at the Passover and other pilgrimage festivals. And over the centuries, there were a series of songs that they would sing on each phase of the journey. And that's where these psalms come from, actual songs sung by actual pilgrims. And Psalm 132 was sung when the pilgrims were actually in the midst of Jerusalem. They would sing this psalm. And what they're singing when they say this psalm is a reminder about all the history that's happened around them. It's a reminder about all the history of the people of God in Jerusalem. It's a way of retelling the story, of reminding themselves of the story. The story that they're remembering as they sing this song in the midst of Jerusalem is the story of the Ark of the Covenant. Now remember, the Ark of the Covenant was this box, a wooden box that was gilded, that was covered in gold, it had cherubim on either side, and in the box was the tablets of the law that God gave Moses on Sinai, and the top of the box, what they called the mercy seat, was where the presence of God dwelt. The presence of God dwelt upon the mercy seat as the Ark of the Covenant was carried through the wilderness and eventually across the River Jordan, where it rested for a time in Shiloh. But the people of God are just like you and I, right? They're always getting it and not getting it, faithful and unfaithful, just like you and I. And so they carried this God's presence before them so many times that at different times they came to take it for granted. And one such time is they had a battle against the Philistines. And so what do they do? They pick up, the, pick up the Ark of the Covenant and carry it into battle as kind of a magical token. If we have this, then we'll win. But forgetting God who actually dwelt therein, and the Philistines took it. They defeated the people of God, and they took the Ark of the Covenant. And they put it in their own temple to their god, Dagon. And this part's pretty cool. 
They put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple, and then they shut the temple and went home, right? You know, like you do. And they came the next morning, and the statue of Dagon had been knocked to the ground. And then they noticed the next few days, everybody in the town started getting sick. And they thought, like, well, what's different? The Ark of the Covenant is different. So what did they do? They just gave it back. Took it into a field and let the people of God know, you can have your Ark back. Fast forward. King David takes that Ark, recovered from the Philistines, and he takes it up and he takes it to its new and ultimate resting place in Jerusalem. And as he does so, he walks in in a great procession, a festival procession, dancing, shouting, hosannas to the king, people praising God as David danced in front of the Ark of the Covenant up to its dwelling place. And there it came to rest in the temple. And so when those pilgrims are saying Psalm 132, what they're saying is, this is where David walked when he carried the Ark of the Covenant into this place. And David didn't walk alone. God was with him. God was with him. Which means God who is with David will also be with me in my time of living. Now maybe you're following the news of the metaverse. I've been doing a little bit of reading on the metaverse. If, you, if you've been spending your time more productively, well done. But the metaverse is the thing that Facebook is doing as an idea of taking from a hybrid reality. You know, all of us have a hybrid reality where we're in the real world, but also in this online screen world. We all have a hybrid existence to a degree. The metaverse is this thing where we can enter into it like Tron and have a completely immersive reality, right? A completely online reality. That's what the, the idea of this metaverse is. It's a blending of the ideal and the real and it's fascinating because I really think it's a, it's a secular attempt to bring heaven to earth. It's a secular attempt to bring heaven to earth. And just word to the wise, we should be pretty cautious about the nature of the architect of this heaven come to earth. But all that to say, what's happening when the pilgrims sing Psalm 132 is the reality from which the metaverse would attempt to point which is they are standing in the present, and yet the past is now present to them. They're standing in Jerusalem, and yet David is with them, and God is with them. They're here, and yet they are somewhere else. This is what theologians call the historical past and the liturgical present. The historical past and the liturgical present. This story of God, which has been unfolding, now has me as a participant. I'm in it. I'm part of it. God is with me as he was with David. We have been here before. Somebody this week sent me an email. They'd been going through the vestry minutes from Holy Innocence Church in the 1930s. Again, like you do. Now, Holy Innocence was St. Dunstan's before St. Dunstan's. And they sent me this because the part of the minutes they were going through was all the work that Holy Innocence was doing to call a new rector. Right? All the work and the, and the anxiety which that causes a parish in that moment of transition. And I think the reason that they sent me that email is so I could share that with you as a reminder that we have been here before. The people of God have traveled great distances and done many things, and God has always been with them. We have been here before. 
You'll notice in that psalm that we read, in verse 12, the most amazing thing is said. Now, the people of God are saying, just as David brought God in here and sought God's presence, God is with us now. But then they say amazing thing in verse 12. They say, a son, the fruit of your body, will I set upon your throne. That's a descendant of David to come, who we know to be Jesus of Nazareth. Talk about a metaverse. Now they're talking about the future, the future of what God is going to do in our midst and in our presence. I read this past week a story of a fascinating character, a woman named Mary Ward Brown, who's an Alabama author who lived and died in Marion, Alabama. She was a member of St. Wilfred's Church in Marion, beautiful old church. She was a late bloomer as a writer. She didn't publish anything until she was 38. And she said that she always wanted to be a writer, but she was, she was consumed by anxieties, neurosis, worries that she wasn't good enough, she wasn't smart enough. And in her 30s, she got really involved at St. Wilfred's in Marion in worship on the altar guild, polishing brass, doing all that stuff. And over the course of that time, her, ner- her neuroses, her worries began to leave her like an evil spirit, that she said. Now, how could that be? Sim- a simple thing like serving on the altar guild, how can that liberate someone from their neuroses? Well, it actually makes all the sense in the world. Because you and I are pilgrims today. We are standing in the midst of Jerusalem. And when we worship the Lord Jesus Christ in his church, we participate in his church, we're reminded that God is with us just like God was with David of years past. That God is with us now in this instance as we approach him. We realize when we worship God and serve God in his church that whatever we're confronted with in life, we have been here before. She lost her husband at 53 and became a widow and had years and years of abject grief, left the church, and then returned to the church. She said that she tried transcendental meditation for a time and then said this great line. She said, I soon tired of the Maharishi. Rather than bliss out with him, I'd go on suffering with Jesus. Suffering with Jesus because he has been here before then we have been here before as well. So, beloved, whatever you are confronting in your life, whatever worry, neurosis, anxiety, pain, suffering you are dealing with, He has been here before, which means that we have been here before. God goes ahead of us and prepares a way, a mysterious way, into the future. Thanks be to God.